Welcome to The Rachel Quizip Show. In today's episode, I'm speaking with an incredible friend and human, Christina Majoinen. Christina is a certified Dubsado specialist and productivity trainer. Through her business, Project TGL, she offers productivity skills and tools that make life better, not faster. Christina spends her days helping small businesses create automated systems for their customer journey, as well as providing training in how to work more productively without the overwork or overwhelm. She's also a Dungeons and Dragons enthusiast, a lifelong reader, a baker of bread and obsessed with The Princess Bride. Today, we're talking about creating a positive surface experience and customer journey. I know you're going to get so much from this conversation with Christina, so let's dive in. so excited to talk with you today about creating a seamless customer journey. So much of our focus and attention, and I'm sure you'll probably agree, is on signing the clients, but not much thought is really given to what the hell to do once they've actually said yes. And I've mentioned this numerous times on social media and on this pod before, that I've personally been very shocked at how my actual experience with many service providers from all different walks of life, different businesses has differed from my expectations. Sometimes I have been blown away, but if I'm honest, most of the time it hasn't really lived up to the hype. And I think it has a huge like thing to do with the customer experience, like waiting on things, not hearing back, not knowing what I'm supposed to do next. So before we dive in and we learn all of your tips and advice, I would love for you to briefly share with us what you mean by the term customer journey and why you think it's so important for small, for service-based business owners. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I've definitely been there too, where I signed on to work with someone and then it's just crickets and I'm sitting there going, wait, uh, what's happening now? Um, So the customer journey is the full experience of working with you from the customer's perspective, not from your perspective. So it it starts, you know, when they first hear about you, it starts with, you know, all those um, touch points prior to inquiry. Um, but the part of the customer journey that I um, really focus on when I'm working with my clients is those steps between inquiry and when you actually start delivering the service. Because I think that's a kind of like a, a black hole that we don't tend to think about so much and that we we don't think about how important it is for the customer to feel like their hand is being held throughout that process, that they feel safe, that they feel excited to work with you. So I think it's especially important for service-based businesses to really pay attention to this part of the process because I think often um, with services, particularly high-ticket services, the customer feels quite vulnerable. Um, Even before they've signed on to work with you, if you're doing a discovery call or some other qualifying process, it's it's a vulnerable position for them to be in to decide whether, whether you're the right fit for them. Um, services do have a high dependence on the personal fit between the service provider and the customer. So there's a lot going on in their head as they make that decision. And then once they've, you know, signed the dotted line, they feel vulnerable because they've just committed their finances. Um, sometimes it's a high financial investment for something completely intangible. It's not a, 
concrete product that they'll receive in their hands. So the more you can do throughout that process to reassure them that they've made the right choice, that they're in good hands, that you're going to be there every step of the way, the better. Totally agree. My head is like sore from like nodding (laughs) along to like everything you're saying. I agree that part, that first little section is so, so important. And I know a lot of people talk about sending your client a gift and I do that, but I think it's more than just giving a a gift in the mail that turns up. It's like, Mm. when's our call? What you need to do to prepare? Like, how can you chat with me or, or work with me? Like, you know, all of those kind of expectations. So I know for me, one of the first things I do when I'm helping my clients create services and programs is to map out the customer journey on their side. And I love that you pointed out that it's different for the customer, that we shouldn't just be focusing on our deliverables and timeframes, but also what it's going to look like on their side. So would you share with me like what makes a good customer journey and perhaps some of the questions or thoughts do you do yourself or help your clients to think about when mapping out the customer journey and maybe in particular that first little bit? Yeah, awesome. So um, one thing that I think is really important is to keep in mind um, all of the different jobs that these stages of the customer journey are supposed to be doing because it does a lot of heavy lifting. And if you're not really clear on what's supposed to be happening at this stage, it's easy to miss things. Um, So, for example, uh, once you have a fresh lead, it's not just I have a lead and I need to make the sale. There's distinct things that are going on there. Um, There's, as I already mentioned, there's qualifying, which is where both you and the client are trying to work out, do I actually want to work with this person? Are they going to meet my needs? Um, Are they going to be a nightmare to work with? (laughs) Uh, Am I willing to pay the price, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's a stage where you need to be collecting the correct information so you can quote appropriately, um, collecting the correct information so that you know whether the client is a good fit for your service and you also need to be giving them the information they need to make their their choice. Then we have the offer, which is where you actually say, here's what I'm offering, here's how much it costs, here are the details. Um, A common mistake, by the way, in the offer stage is we so often hear, um, I'm jumping ahead, I get so excited, but anyway, we so often hear um, sell the benefits and not the features and that's, great for every other stage of the customer journey. At the offer stage, you should actually be saying what the features are. Please. You should be saying what they're buying. (laughs) Yes. Um, Then we have the agreement. So this is still, they still haven't signed on. They're still a lead. Uh, And you need to make really clear, these are the exact details of working with me. This is what's expected of you. This is what you can expect from me. So this will be your contract or, um, you know, terms and conditions, plus uh, your payment terms, your invoice. Um, and so that's three things that all fall into the lead stage. And then in the onboarding stage, we have uh, information gathering where you're collecting all the information you need from the client to deliver a brilliant service. And then kind of orientation where you're giving them all the information they need to feel like their hand is really being held. So that's, that's the first thing is being clear on each of these different things. They can kind of happen at the same time, but all of those jobs need to happen. And making sure that you're 
communicating so clearly each each of those things to the client throughout the way, frequently signposting what they can expect next. It's this kind of continual process of here's what's going to happen, here's how I've made it easy for you, and here's what will happen next. Here's what's going to happen, here's how I've made it easy for you, and here's what's going to happen next, just over and over again. I love that you've gone into so much detail. Thank you, because I think, you know, when a lot of people do share tips and advice around customer journey and, you know, providing great service. They kind of just lump everything together and you're so right. There are very distinct stages. And when you've been delivering a service multiple times, which I think a lot of us kind of do as business owners, you start to forget, well, I think you do, how important each of those stages are. And sometimes I've been guilty of this. You're kind of like, oh crap. Like I actually know I need to, I need to really sit and explain this and give the person the space to like, you know, hear it, respond, ask any questions, because yes, I've heard it a million times. I've said it a million times, but for this customer, it truly is the first time they're hearing about it. And like you said, they do need all of the information to make a decision. And I'd love your thoughts on this. What I'm seeing a lot of in the online space is a fear to give too much information because we are also told you really need to step out the process. And look, I put my hand up. I say this all the time because it is true. But what I'm finding is a lot of my clients are afraid to say anything because they don't want to overwhelm their clients. When in actual fact for me, I love a lot of information. I know some of my clients like just sign me up, but I still send the information for them. They often refer to it later. Are you finding that too, where people are feeling really resistant to share information? Like, But like what you said, this is where you need to sell the features, not just the benefits. Yeah, absolutely. I do think the higher ticket the offer is, the more more information you need to communicate. Um, and the other thing is that once you're once you're really clear on each of these different stages and the jobs that each of those stages need to do, I think it's actually easier to communicate that succinctly. It's easier to to uh, communicate it uh, clearly and also to not overwhelm your customer by only sending them the information they need right now to get through this stage. Um, so I'm all about over communicating, <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily have to mean you send them, you know, ten, a 10 page offer that tells them everything about every step of the process all at once. It might mean you send them a, you know, a one page offer that makes really clear once you've signed this proposal, let's say, for example, here's, here's the information you'll get next, but you don't have to go into detail yet. I think that's such great advice because I know also for a lot of my clients, you know, they've never had to do this before. Yes. They've been part of larger organizations, but it's normally done by someone else. And I think once you start diving into this, you're like, whoa, there are like many different parts. There are many things, um, you know, you can do or you don't need to do. And I know I'm going to ask a question about some, I guess, like different programs or software that um, we can use in a little bit. But I wanted your thoughts on this because I do feel like there's a lot of automation happening, which I think is fab. If you can automate it, great. But I don't know about you, but lately I've been, you know, trying to find like a financial planner and all I'm getting is just like this most extensive form when I haven't even spoken to them. I don't know where the prices are. I don't know if they have any capability to work with me. And they're literally asking me like 15 
questions. And I guess, again, I'm really interested to know your thoughts on that because that is a huge turnoff for me. I was like, I don't want to tell you what my favorite type of cheese is because we all know we're meant to put a funny qualifying question at the end <laughs> of our 15 question questionnaire. And I was like, I don't want to answer all of this. Like, are you actually available in October to help me with X? Do you also have some thoughts on that? Because again, I feel like they're trying to do the qualification. They're trying to get information that they're allowing me to kind of provide information in a way that's like easy yet. I don't feel like this is a great customer journey. Yeah. So I get the sense that what, what they're doing there is they're trying to, um, ask all of their qualification questions upfront in their lead capture form. And that can be, it, it so much depends on the business and what your offer is and, um, what your experience is with uh, clients that you've worked before. So maybe um, if they're in a position where uh, they have frequently had people filling out their form, uh, wasting their time because it's not a good fit, um, maybe that's what has led to them, you know, putting all those questions up front. But you don't have to have all of those questions on that initial form. Um, again, even just uh, breaking it down, um, having a, an initial lead capture form uh, that just collects the most basic information and then following up with a questionnaire. If you really feel you need to ask those additional questions, following up with a questionnaire that says, to see if it's a great fit and exactly how we can quote you, please answer these additional questions. What it sounds like to me, though, is in this case, um, they were also trying to collect information from you that belongs in the onboarding stage of the process, not in the qualifying stage of the process. <laughs> um, so the, the more you break it down, uh, make it separate, discrete steps for the client where they're really clear on why they're being asked something at every stage. This is another really common mistake is um, you know, you invite your customer to a discovery call and they don't understand what the purpose of the call is. Like, why, why are we talking for 15 minutes? Why are you asking me all these questions about um, my needs? Are like, I don't understand what the point of this call is. Or I don't understand what the point is of answering my favorite cheese. <laughs> um, yeah, so once you get really clear on the different um, jobs of the different stages of the process, you can spread them out appropriately so that it's really clear to the customer why you're asking what you're asking of them at every stage. And when you do that really well, when you signpost really clearly, when you hold their hand throughout that process, it generates so much loyalty from your customers. I really believe that this is the stage of the process that gets you your testimonials, your referrals, and your repeat business. This is the stage where somebody that was kind of excited to work with you becomes a raving fan. I wholeheartedly agree. I know one of the main parts of feedback that I get is all the time that I knew exactly what I need to do. Like you're always there explaining things, you know, I could always ask you questions about the process and you're always open up front, you know, your timelines were always clear, all of that kind of stuff. And I spent a lot of time doing that in my business and tweaking that. And it's also a question I always ask my clients for like to, you know, comment on as well. Right. Cause I think, again, we don't really collect that information. We just want to know the actual sort of tangible and intangible results. And I think for a lot of us, you know, small business owners, especially service-based, we don't ask about like how the service was or the expectations, um, you know, if they were met. Do you also find that where we're not really collecting that information and therefore aren't able to make any kind of decisions and changes to that process? 
Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I don't know that I've ever answered a single survey that asked me, oh, no, I have once <laughs> that asked me a question about how I found the, the onboarding process. Um, but yeah, you know, I've worked with a lot of people and it's only happened the one time. Um, and why wouldn't you be wanting to make that process as amazing as you can for your customers? And I think sometimes it is like just a few like easy tweaks or changes. Um, you know, one thing that I've also found that I, I personally think is quite a common mistake, um, you know, for service-based business owners, and perhaps you have a few more others, if you feel like the relevant you can share is for a copywriter, um, I used to like give people questionnaires, you know, we're working together, they sign off anything, we're actually starting to do the work. And I would give them a questionnaire to feel like, you know, like who's your target audience and all that stuff. My client couldn't answer it. And so then we'd get onto a call and it, it made me think of it when you mentioned, you know, get on the call and they're like, I, like, I don't know what we're doing on this call. And I was like, I don't have the information I need and would always get stalled. So what I actually did is, yes, I sent the questionnaire, but then I had a follow-up call to actually fill out the questionnaire mm. with them. And like, yes, it was kind of annoying on my end and more work, but you know, it is a part of the process. And then I got in, all the information I wanted and then all of the other steps flowed. They understood them. We're on the same page. Like here I am banging on about target market and they have no idea what that means. Like we kind of answer all those questions. And I think again, you know, thinking about what it's like for their point of view and not just your own and asking, um, you know, what's good or not good about the process. That's how I made that simple change. Do you think there are any other, I suppose, like thoughts or questions that service-based business owners need to be thinking about to make sure they don't sort of make any of these common mistakes, like, you know, too much information in a form that turns people off, expecting customers to give them information they know nothing about, anything like that? Um, well, I just want to, um, that I love what you were saying there about um, thinking about it from their perspective and, you know, maybe they don't know the answer to these questions that you're asking and that kind of thing. Um, so b before I answer the the question you just asked, I want to expand on that a bit. Please. Um, so before I had my business, one of the things that I did was I uh, taught academics how to talk about their research in ways that made sense to regular people. And one of the things I talked about a lot um, at that time was something called the curse of knowledge. So it's a psychological phenomenon. It's well studied. Um, and the curse of knowledge tells us that the more you know about a topic, the harder it is to explain it in a way that makes sense to other people. And this is something that we need to be so aware of as business owners because you are so familiar with your service delivery process. You know, you do it all the time. You do it week in, week out. But your client isn't. So you need to really go to the effort to spell it out for them. You need to remind them of the details more than one time. It's not enough, to, for example, to say, here's the process from beginning to end just one time and then expect that they've taken that on board. You need to keep reminding them of it throughout. And you need to continually be remembering that the curse of knowledge exists. They don't know everything you know. And so you need to explain it really clearly. Um, and I, I love your idea of actually asking that on surveys because that's just a, it's a curse of knowledge buster, right? <laughs> if you're actually asking your client, how did you find the process? Was there a point where you got confused? Then 
that helps bypass your knowledge that you're bringing to it that makes you overlook the things that are confusing or tricky. Um, sorry, now remind me again what the actual question was. <laughs> um, you can if you want to. Do you have any other, do you want to talk about any other common mistakes you see business owners making or do you think we've kind of covered them? Um, I think we've covered most of the ones um, that I had been thinking were really important for that I wanted to communicate. Um, the one other one is that quite often what I see um, is a disconnect between the communication I'm receiving and the action that the business owner is doing. So this can be as simple as saying, thanks for your inquiry. We'll get back to you within 48 hours. And then it's a week before they get back to me. Or it can be um, more technical, like um, click this button here to fill out the survey and then click the button at the bottom that says submit, but the button at the bottom doesn't say submit. Um, and when all of these little disconnects add up, it it can leave the customer feeling a bit disoriented. Um, and I think the, the most common reason that that happens is because um, you make small tweaks or changes to your process over time, but you haven't gone back and adjusted your copy to suit that. So I really recommend um, to go through your own customer journey as if you were a client, like, you know, use your personal email address, sign up to it, send yourself every single email every six months or so, just to really catch all of those little things and to make sure that what you're communicating and what you're acting on remain aligned. And don't say you'll get back in 48 hours if that's not realistic for you. <laughs> don't, tell, don't tell yourself you'll whip yourself back into shape. Just communicate what you actually do. Yes, this is such a great point. I love that you shared this because um, I don't know if I've ever told anyone I do this, but I I literally test all of my own things. So I'm, I get all of my emails. I test every single one. And you would not believe how many like link mistakes, copy mistakes I find when I send myself my own content, when I've like, you know, tested it out. And I was like, damn it. And I'll get it like two. So I'm like, Rachel, how many people has that email gone out to? <laughs> Whatever. Like there's a mistake. But I also get my partner to do a lot of the tech testing, you know, buttons and clicking through links as well, because he knows me roughly enough that could act as someone who's interested in what I do, but he obviously doesn't know every little, you know, bit. And so he would be like, Rachel, I can't find the button. I was like, you just go scroll down. And then I was like, no, they shouldn't have to scroll down. So I'll move it up. So you're so right with the, the testing of elements, because I love how you said, you know, the curse of knowledge, like I'm like, oh, yeah, you just scroll down. But if that's not obvious to everyone else, it doesn't matter that I know that. need to make it really, really clear for others. And I just think it would take you an extra couple of minutes maybe per email or per step just to like test and check and it will make such like a huge difference. And I also think, you know, going to my next question about, you know, kind of like the tools and training, there are so many things that you can do now, I think, to help you improve the customer service and to, you know, to deliver like exceptional service. And I think if you take the time to like set these systems up and then go through them with a human brain and don't just go, oh, it's automated. I won't touch it again. The two combined, I personally think is where it's going to like explode your business, the human element and the automation. And I know that you're like a huge fan of Dubsado and you're certified. So would you be able to maybe speak quickly to Dubsado or any other tools or training that you recommend for business owners? 
Yeah, brilliant. Um, so I will say that Dubsado works for a really specific type of business owner, and I would never recommend it to somebody that doesn't fit that that profile. So Dubsado works best for service-based businesses that have a single face of the business who's the person that does all the communicating with clients. It's not great for, you know, if you have a team and multiple different people on your team need to be touching base with clients, um, and it's not great for product-based businesses. Um, but for that, um, so for businesses like mine and for like yours, um, Dubsado is, you know, everything under one roof. So your lead capture form goes through Dubsado. Um, it will create the, the project once the lead capture forms filled out. You send your, um, your surveys, your proposals, you can schedule your discovery calls. Um, and you know, whether or not that's the right system for you, I would highly recommend every business owner find the system that is right for them, that they can bring all of those things under one roof, automate the pieces that can be automated. Um, and I love your point that it needs to be a mix of automation and personal um personal touch points because I, I often get clients come to me and they're so excited to kind of automate everything. And I'm like, well, hang on, you have a high ticket one-on-one -on -one offer. Your client really wants you to kind of personally have some input in that process at some point. Um, so let's, you know, build in some touch points where you can, you know, customize the proposal before it gets sent out, for example. Um, or, you know, once they've received their onboarding information, you personally reach out to see if there's any further questions they have, or whatever that might be. Um, so, yeah, I the best thing I did in my business was um, start automating things right from really early on. I... Um, it felt like a big expense at the time. It's this software isn't actually like ultimately that expensive now that I've been in business for quite some time. It's so much cheaper than other things that save much less labor. Um, but I'm so glad that I bit the bullet and, you know, signed on to that expense because the amount of headspace that it saved me, um, rethinking the process every time I had a new client um, and the, it gave my clients more consistency of their experience as well. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I am old school, I think, in the fact that I don't use Dubsado, never have. I've tried other systems. Like I do have things like Asana and, you know, calendar apps and everything like that. Um, but the way that I run my business and because it's like high touch and a small amount of clients, I have templated emails and everything like that, but yes, everything is customized. So I still do essentially the same thing. Like we have plans. Well, I have a plan of what goes out when and timeframes, but it's just kind of Asana, Google drive and email. And I love that best because it does encourage me to go in and customize it, which I'll do anyway, but it's like, time is set to do that because I think I did get to the stage, which many business owners do being like, should I just customize that? Should I just custom, uh, like not customize that? Should I just like send it out? Should I just send it out? And I was like, this doesn't really feel personal. And also kind of felt, I felt a disconnect. So I was like, these emails are going out to clients and like, I'm not seeing the email or like just looking over it. Um, and so when I kind of brought it all back in, but still using automation and things like that, made such a huge difference. And that's when also people really started commenting on 
the process and how it felt good to be a part of it compared to other programs that are, you know, expensive, but maybe don't have those personal touches. They can tell they're just getting group emails the entire time, but signed off by the business owner and no shade to that. But I think for a lot of my clients, I think the same for yours, we are looking for a bit more personalization now. Like we know like, Hey, Rachel is, you know, a name tag in an email. Like we know that's Mm. personalization, but not really that personalized. I think it's a common misunderstanding about systems that it it only counts as being a system if it's fully automated. And that's completely untrue. It also counts as being a system if you have whatever needs to be in place to support you to pick up that you need to take the next action at the right time and to take that action in whatever way it takes the less least effort for you. So if that's as simple as a to-do task popping up in your Asana and then you have a template to work from when you customize, that's a system. You've got a system in place. Yes. I love that you've made that distinction. I think even I'm guilty of being like, do I need more stuff to make it legit? (laughs) But you're so right. Like, I feel like the more that I've streamlined my business, the more enjoyable it's been. And I've always been a very process driven person. Like this aspect of my business has never been um, hard, but I know speaking with a lot of my clients, particularly if they, you know, identify as neurodivergent and things like that, they do feel the pressure to have these really complex systems, but sometimes like their to-do list on a piece of paper, they stick it on their wall and they follow it to me. If that's what works with them, that is like fabulous. And I guess what I'm trying to say here is that there's so many different ways that you can create systems and processes in your business that support the customer journey. And you don't just have to follow like one trendy way or the most expensive way to have like exceptional customer service. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you're encouraging that self-awareness of what, what works best for you. Um, I've worked with uh, ADHD clients where that automation is really, really helpful because then they don't need to remember to go in and make something happen. Um, I've worked with introverts who are never going to click send on a testimonial request email. And so having an automation for that is really helpful for them. But then I'm also always looking with my clients at where are the points where you do want it to be personal? Where are the points where you do want to customize it? We don't want to just, you know, automate all of you out of your business because as if you're service-based, you are what your customers are buying. And a question that I've been asking everyone recently on the pod is how they've thrown out the rule book and grown their business their way. Would you mind sharing how prioritizing customer service in your own business has helped you to build a more aligned, sustainable and profitable business? Yeah. Um, so I have a chronic illness. So my business has been built from the ground up to support me in a lifestyle that actually works for me and my needs. Um, And I think customer service is a really big part of that Um, because, well, firstly, having systems in place, whether that's automated systems or whether that's the type of systems we were talking about, it just frees up so much time and headspace. If I've made a system for myself um, that, that clearly lays out exactly what needs to happen, after, for example, after a discovery call to send a proposal. Um, And I do, you know, customize my proposals and I've got this like 
clear template of like, these are the dot points of every tiny action I need to take to make that happen. Well, then I don't have to kind of think about that on a day where I might be, you know, brain fogged, for example. <laughs> um, I can just, just make it happen because it's all laid out. Um, it's also, um, you know, I, I am an introvert um, and having, um, having uh, systems in place for really clear client communication and really clear expectation management um, helps to enforce uh, boundaries around, um, you know, communication styles. It helps to reinforce boundaries around what work I do and don't do. It helps reinforce boundaries around who I do and don't want to be working with. Um, so having, you know, uh, put all of this in place, you know, because it's for the customer, it's for the customer journey because they need to be really clear on what they're getting and whether it's a good fit for them also means that it's a good fit for me when they do sign up and that they're really happy to have the service that I want to provide and to, um, for that to exist within the boundaries that I want to place around it. Yes. I love that you pointed that out. I mean, I know we talk a lot about, you know, you need teammates having a team, you know, people got your back, but I've always seen systems and processes and the customer journey as like being that really loving person in my business that has my back and has my customers back. Like I, I know yeah. a lot of people say it's something that's like difficult or hard or challenging. And, and I understand that, like I said, you know, it's come naturally to me. I've been in roles outside of my business that, um, required me to think of these things. But every time I sit down, I don't go, Oh, I have to create a system or a process. I'm like, yes. Like, you know, how can I be like really loving and thoughtful and considered for myself and my client? And when I approach it like that, you're so right. Like it does allow me to have a business that really supports my lifestyle, you know, on the days where I have like period pains, like today, there's systems and processes in place. So, you know, when I'm not really feeling it or I suffer from migraines, which happen quite regularly, again, I have a whole bunch of things there and contingency plans that I can action or things that are just automated that really support me too. And like I said, it's like someone has my back on those days when I'm not feeling great. And also when the days that I'm having like the best time, they're also there like helping me celebrate and make everything really, really smooth and easy. So if a yeah. business owner wanted to improve their customer journey, what are three simple things that they can do today? Um, okay. So I've already touched on all of these, but just to um, summarize them, uh, one is go through your own customer journey from your customer's perspective. Um, so just click through everything, read all the emails from beginning to end, um, fill out all the surveys. Um, that will bring up really clear action steps for you, I promise, of what you can do to improve it. Uh, number two is to signpost, signpost, signpost. So go back through all of your email copy or your questionnaire copy and just make sure you're always signposting. This is what I'm asking you to do. This is why I'm asking you to do it. And this is what will happen next at every stage of the journey. Um, and then the, the third one, I think is um, give yourself even just kind of 15 minutes to sit down and have a think about um, what was a, a, a service that you signed up for recently and how did that go? What did you like about it and what didn't you like about it? Um, and I just find that whenever I actually give myself the time to reflect on that, I come away with these brilliant insights, right? So recently I did a, um, a second branding photo shoot with um, 
the brilliant Sophie from Sister Scout. And she has this incredible onboarding process where once you've signed up, you get uh, this brilliant series of videos about planning your outfits, about how to plan your hair and makeup, but also a workbook for planning a shot by shot shot list for the photo shoot. And I love that as a systems oriented person, like filling out that workbook made me feel really confident that I was going to get exactly what I wanted out of that. But it also made really clear what's my role in this process, what's her role in this process, right? She's not devising the shot list for me. I'm the director of this photo shoot. Um, And now I, I know clearly what my responsibilities are, how I can best prepare for it. Um, And that makes me feel, even though in a way it's kind of like giving me homework, it makes me feel safe because I know exactly what to expect from the process. I love that. And also, you know, I'm guessing it made you feel empowered too. You weren't just going to get there on the day and kind of be shoved into awkward positions and told that's how you had to be. Like you felt empowered to choose how you wanted to be visually you know, like represented and things like that. Because I know for a lot of my clients and me too, you know, when you, like you said before, you know, when you sign up to these services that perhaps are a bit more expensive, but even if they aren't, like you're still investing time, money and energy. And if you don't get what you want, that feeling, you know, that pit of the stomach feeling when you're like, damn, like I'm going to have to use these photos for the next two years because that's what I invested (laughs) in. I hate them. would be the worst. And at least, you know, if you'd got that, workbook and you weren't sure, I'm sure you could message Soph and she could help you through it. And so then again, it wouldn't be both of you on the day being like, what are we doing? I don't know. And then having those awkward conversations or her feeling really, you know, sad at the end, if you're like, I'm unhappy with my photos. So it gives you both an opportunity to kind of come together and feel really empowered in the process. And I know that Soph always does um, like really amazing um, like work and it provides a great service, but I know a lot of photographers out there I've heard horror stories and I think there's a lot to be learned on again everything that you've shared here today thinking about what you actually need to be focusing on when it comes to providing excellent customer service so if you wanted listeners to take away one thing about creating a positive service experience what would it be Um, Again, no surprise, we've already touched on this multiple times, is just remember that the curse of knowledge exists and compensate for it with clear communication. At every point in your customer journey, always be looking for what are the things that I know but my client doesn't know here and how can I give them that information? Such great advice and a beautiful reminder. I think I'm going to go and do this for my own like systems and processes right now because it's something I also haven't done in a while. So thank you so much for coming onto the Rachel Bishop Show and for sharing your story, insights and wisdom. I know listeners are going to take away so much from what you've shared here today. Thank you so much for having me.